to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with me, Chris Moss and Jake Peach. Thank you for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside podcast on Facebook and we're at ATO podcast underscore on Instagram. And I guess at this point, at the end of the season, thank you for stopping by at all. If you've listened to any one of our podcasts throughout the whole F1 season, of 2021 it's been a pretty wild ride Chris that it has we've had nine months 22 Grand Prix many controversies but we finally have a winner of the 2021 title and as you'd expect for this season it came down to the final lap of the season without controversy or plain sailing it was you know as calm collective on everyone's sofa as what we expected it was going to be or not. Of course, this episode is all about recapping the final race of Abu Dhabi. We will have an episode looking back on the whole season and trying to recap it all, but this is all just about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the final Grand Prix on the calendar of the 2021 season. And boy, is there plenty to talk about. Let's get straight into it. Well, we came into the last race of the season after Saudi Arabia, one of the most chaotic and frantic races I've ever seen on a new F1 track, let alone in the history of Formula One. It was one of the most craziest inaugural Grand Prix I've ever seen. Uh, You know, if you think back to India as as an inaugural Grand Prix, um, if you think back to uh, Austin, Texas or Abu Dhabi, they were not as chaotic as the Saudi Arabia race. And then there were a whole host of incidents in that Grand Prix there. And we went into the final race in Abu Dhabi after Lewis Hamilton picked up the victory. And it made the points going into Abu Dhabi absolutely equal for the first time since 1974 between Clay Regazzoni and Emerson Fittipaldi. And it doesn't happen very often. So they were both tied on 369 and a half points. And of course, whoever won the race in Abu Dhabi was going to come out on top. But, but oh God, I, I don't know. Where do we start with the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, Chris? Because, I mean, there was just so much to compute. I mean, my, my head was hurting afterwards. I it still is, I think, to this to this moment. I mean, I feel like we should start from, from qualifying. I mean, what a, what a qualifying. And one we probably didn't expect on the form book to, to, to be how it happened with, with Max with an absolute scintillating lap to get that pole position. Great teamwork by Red Bull and Perez, giving him a double slipstream down the two DRS straights. And then, say, half a second between himself and Lewis Hamilton, you know, something you never hear yourself say, especially this season. And, um, yeah, a a very dominating pole lap um, in which, obviously, Lewis Hamilton starts the weekend one foot behind yeah and well it was it was mainly because Red Bull were thought to have put on a skinnier rear wing in qualifying to improve the top you know the straight line speed the top speed of the Red Bull and uh, give the sort of fastest pace over one lap and probably more of a good setup over one lap in qualifying for a for a flying lap on low fuel and everything like that 
Um, but then we got to the race and um, we had the split strategy because in qualifying in Q2, Red Bull, even though they pulled it off in Q3 to get on the front of the grid, Verstappen messed up one of his laps, didn't he, in Q2, which meant he had to start on the softer compound tyre to make sure that he got through to Q3. Yes, it sort of gave him a, a starting advantage in terms of getting off the grid. But, you know... In terms of strategy-wise, it very much favoured the Mercedes team over Red Bull. Um, and, you know, when it came to actual lights out, you know, what we didn't think was going to happen ended up happening. And the medium tyres ended up being the better tyre to start the race on. And Max just got utter wheel spin. Yeah, Hamilton got an amazing start. And Verstappen, as you say, was just a bit, bit of a sitting duck, really. And the craziest thing about it is, of course, we thought that even though Verstappen got a terrible start... Um, we thought he was going to catch up, have the pace on Hamilton and, you know, blitz past him in the first few laps. But that was far from the truth. And Lewis Hamilton was kind of on it, on the same pace matching him. But then Verstappen sort of caught up to him and challenged him a little bit um, into into the well, the, the end of the, the first main straight. And uh, that was sort of the first contentious incident of the race, Chris, wasn't it? When Hamilton went off of the track after the two were side by side going into that into that left right chicane and Hamilton was let off by the stewards which if we you know think back to other races this season that decision could have gone either way and really a lot of people were thinking that Hamilton should have given the place back uh, in those early stages of the race and we could have seen a different outcome later in the race as well potentially but i think this is where you know the FIA, the stewards uh, have all sort of almost made a rod for their own back in terms of what happened with Brazil. Very similar incident, except both drivers went off the track. But, you know, one driver was, you know, he, he had, there was no room for him to remain on the track safely. So he had to take the escape road. Was he ahead into the corner? I, I'd say very much just. Um, but at the same point, he did get forced off the road. And, you know, when it came to Brazil, both drivers went off the track, again, forcing off the road. It was deemed as hard racing. Red Bull, this time it played against them. And very much, you know, they were calling, well, he needs to give the place back. But the FIA was like, no, it's hard racing. You, you've, you've had hard racing this year, now it's their turn, you know. So at least in, in that front, they, they've been consistent. <laughs> But, but you know, we, we can't say that for every decision. I would say you know? steady, steady of the use of that word bit, in this context. VAR like, but mm. you know, for the, for that term of the uh, of the race, it, it was consistent throughout. You know, the, the last few races. Talking of stewards and officiating and consistency, there is so much to discuss in relation to this episode. We will discuss it in a little while. However. If we're going in chronological order, we then sort of had that period of the race. Hamilton managed to maintain that gap and basically push on. And we had the virtual safety car after um, we a couple of retirements were, were forcing the virtual safety car to come out. And I think it was Antonio Giovinazzi was in a little bit of a in a, in a, in a raise on, on the track. So we had that period, but then both cars pitted, uh, well, under the... Well, Red Bull, no, Red Bull pitted under the virtual safety car and Mercedes didn't. And they were, they had previously pitted before that on the hard tyre. So Mercedes had 
older tyres than Red Bull, but still Hamilton seemed to, later on in the race, make it work. And he, although Verstappen had a little bit of an advantage and gained some ground sort of in that phase of the race when he was behind Perez, um, it looked like that it was... Not gonna, not gonna change the outcome. It looked like Hamilton was gonna stay ahead of Verstappen, and sort of the the pace kind of equaled out, didn't it, Chris? We thought that Verstappen was gonna be really pacey and lightning quick on the on those new fresh tyres. Hamilton's tyres were like twenty laps older, but that didn't end up being the case. So at that stage of the race, we thought, well, Hamilton's got this in the bag. Well, yeah, I mean, we even heard on on team radio when Sky and Ch- Channel Four who were taking the the photos and and the videography off off the Sky Channel. Um, they like we heard Christian Horner's like we need we need a miracle we need the racing gods to look down on us to uh, to get any kind of chance of back into this race and how would you know the racing gods chose Nicholas Latifi to uh, to give him that chance yeah there was an incident with a few laps to go where Nicholas Latifi in his Williams and the irony of course is that Williams is a Mercedes-backed team and is kind of seen as the number two team with George Russell, of course, moving over into Valtteri Bottas's seat for 2022. But for Nicholas Satifi to do that at that stage, we thought, well, you know, here goes. And, and Hamilton, again, had been well in control at that point. He'd had a little bit of a, a bump just before the crash where Perez had basically backed up Hamilton right up into Verstappen as best as he could um, and took a good sort of six, seven seconds out of his lead and really changed the race for Red Bull and put them right back in it because uh, it was looking like a, a dominant display. Even then after that, though, Hamilton managed to forge a 10-second lead. And then, of course, this crash with Nicholas Tatifi happened at turn 14. And before the, the week weekend started there was a bit of a technical directive I guess or you could say or a rules agreement that the red flag wouldn't be brought out in sort of the later stages of the race if there was a crash there and it would only be the safety car so the safety car comes out doesn't it Chris and then we're sort of going around and then Mercedes and Red Bull are thinking do we pit do we not and of course as always when people are in this position who are in first place it's always much more of a gamble for first place to pit so close to the end of the race under the safety car so that's not what happened for Mercedes and Red Bull pitted Chris and it gave Verstappen fresh tyres but then what followed on afterwards was well nothing short of controversial was it Chris? Yeah um is confusing to many um many of the drivers have even admitted that they don't know what's happened why it's happened but yeah obviously michael massey saying no that back markers are going to be unlapped there was about five of them between lewis and, and max um only for coming to the end of the second sector all the lap markers in between them are unlapping themselves but not the ones behind max verstappen they have to stay there which, you know, Carlos Sainz could have potentially have, you know, battled to, to get a better than P3. But, you know, they, they that's not what happened. And then within seconds of the last car overtaking the safety car, the safety car is going into the pits. We've got one lap. Like, it was very chaotic. Um, I, I think quite a lot of people, myself included, felt it was quite poorly managed. Um, in terms of how they organise it. I mean, yes, we all want to race um, and we never want to see a race finish under a safety car, especially for a championship. But I mean, it, it could have been so much better organised. I mean, we saw in Baku, we had we only had three laps to go in Baku 
and we had a red flag stop it and we had a sprint I, I mean I get that he said that he didn't want to have a red flag and that was how it was going to be but Jesus if you want a, a sport and you want to see a fight a fair fight at that both everyone on fresh tyres to fight for a win for a championship that was the best way to do it and five laps around a very fast Abu Dhabi circuit that was going to be what everybody would have wanted in all honesty but that's not what we got. We saw, you know, 25 lap old tyres versus two lap old, very fresh tyres that have been under a safety car. And, you know, it was very uh, one-sided, a one-sided battle. Obviously, Max going into turn five down the inside of Lewis Hamilton. No DRS because DRS doesn't get activated for two laps after the safety car. We're obviously on the last lap. And uh, yeah, going around the the new banked hairpin of turn nine, and then that was the point where Max won the championship. Yeah, but we should say going into this weekend that there was some track alterations at Abu Dhabi. It was essentially a pretty much a new circuit in 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 large, really, because the, we had uh, the alterations that had been advised by Karen Chandok, ironically one of the pundits on Sky One, going into the weekend. Red Bull were. Uh, given him lots of slack and sort of passive aggressive comments being made saying, Oh, you've, you've favored Mercedes. Their engine's going to do much better around here. And then in the final stage of the race, of course it, it, it neutralizes or uh, simply reduces the amount of overtaken opportunities there is because the track is more full throttle for the rest of the race. So look at, at the point we were there after the safety car, when all of those decisions were made by Michael Massey, essentially we had Max Verstappen on one or it was a scrub set of softs, but they were they were still quite young in terms of tyre life. And you had Hamilton, who had done some 34 laps or something ridiculous on his hard tyres, which not only one does he have the durability um, and hardness of the tyre playing against him, which gives, gives you less grip. Um, but then, you know, two, just gem, generally like... Mentally, it must have been so physically draining. I mean, lots of drivers have been in that situation before, but you literally got one lap to go and you know that all you've got is pretty much the most worn shoes that you can find in the house underneath of you, basically, to get you around the last lap. And Max Verstappen is in these brand spanking new, shiny, sparkling trainers that are like the hottest on the market and... It was it was no contest, was it, Chris? It was, as we were saying, it wasn't a fair fight. So if we look at sort of the decisions that were made, you know, up to that point where we called, the normal regulations say when there's been a safety car that at this point, when when there are lap cars in the way of the leaders, all of the lap cars have to pass the the front the front leaders. You know, the 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 first and second and, and third essentially would have been in, in this case. However, because Michael Massey wanted to create a spectacle and wanted the last lap of the race to be exciting and entertaining, you know, for all these new casual fans that had just checked in for the last race of the season and hadn't followed throughout, he kind of adapted his own rules. And Mercedes were basically saying this was not really allowed because they were following the book. They were following the letter of the regulations which govern how F1 works. However, there is a condition in regulations which says that the race director can essentially do what he likes. Now, I'm really interested in this debate, Chris, because essentially if we th use a very sort of well-known example, I guess, of football, it is, as Gary Lineker said, uh, what an iconic British footballer uh, here in the UK, 
He says it's basically like when Man City are playing Liverpool, they're 3-0 up and then the referee doesn't like the result and says, we'll decide it with the penalty shootout at the end. Or it's kind of like golden goal back in the old days. Now, why is that such a problem for F1, Chris, for people who might not understand that? I think, I think the problem is, is that a lot of people tuned in because it was such a big event. It was a showdown. It was the top two drivers in the world battling out for the title. And the, the, the rules that most people know and are aware of just didn't happen. There was no, as we said earlier, consistency. Michael Massey's had this, you know, play fair throughout the entire season. And, you know, he's had it before where he's done it in, in other formulas where he's done this to the letter that he's done it before. But this time it was very different. He he didn't allow the, after, a lap after the cars had gone to go in for the safety car to go in because that would have ended the race behind the safety car. Yeah, because that's the other one of the rules, isn't it? If you do let all the lapped cars go through past the leaders, then uh, the safety car will be going in the following lap, which, as you say rightly, would have been the end of the race. They would have just not raced because you can't overtake before the safety car line, which is just before the, the start-finish straight line. So they wouldn't have had any contest and there wouldn't have been any lunges for Verstappen to have. So that, I guess that's where people felt quite hard done by didn't they because it's been there has been situations in the past where races have unfortunately finished under the safety car if you remember in uh, Vettel's 2012 winning uh, season at Interlagos Button won that race but he stayed in I think it was fourth or fifth position and because the race was neutralized crossed the line became world champion so people might think back to that and think well what's different I think you know it's it, it very much ruined what, what was a fantastic Grand Prix just by the way it ended. The, the last, say, two or three laps, the ones a couple under the safety car and then the last lap itself, I think it killed the spice of what was going to be. It became inevitable. We knew that Max was going to win because of the tyre difference. We knew that Lewis hadn't got the grip to, to live up to what is you know two compounds, faster tyre with much better life. And, you know, the teams getting involved talking to Michael Massey, which I believe for next season, they're binning that off, which they need to. It's, it was great in mid-season hearing what they had to say, but it became almost like they were influencing. And that's not... It was lobbying, want. yeah. Totally, totally and lobbying race control. I think a lot of all of that together really ruined what should have been a fantastic moment. And the one thing that, you know, I, I want to say is is well done to Max, first of all, for winning the championship. I was going to come on to that. Because yeah. none of what he did in that Grand Prix is his fault. And the same with Lewis. None of what Lewis did in this Grand Prix was his fault. Both drivers raced their heart out and they did an amazing thing. And I think a lot of people in the, you know, we're recording it a week later, in the week that yeah, the preceded... Dust, the, the, dust has, the dust has settled, yeah. ...are very much aiming their blame to the FIA and the stewards. And quite rightly so. It was their mistakes that have caused a lot of people to almost walk away from the sport, to vow never to watch it again. And anybody that's just watched it for the first time that may have got interested in it may have just killed the, any of their chances of wanting to watch it again for, for the farcical behaviour that happened. You know, and, uh, you know, this week... 
you know, we've just had the FIA ceremony a couple of days ago. We've just had a new president sworn in for the FIA. And, you know, they're immediately looking at what they can do to rectify this, what is going to be quite a big issue because it's hurt and, you know, damaged and tarnished the reputation of not just the FIA, but Formula One itself. Well, and it's hurt the most long-standing constructor of the last seven or eight years throughout the whole hybrid era, which of course has been uh, instrumental in, of course, you know, it's it's benefited their, benefited their own success at Mercedes, but it's been instrumental in improving the profile of the sport worldwide. I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people will probably disagree with it, but Formula One is better with Lewis Hamilton in there because Lewis Hamilton is... He's a global icon now. Max Verstappen, for sure, in a few years' time, will be as global, if not potentially bigger, than Lewis Hamilton. But Lewis Hamilton is the global figurehead of Formula One. You go around all the countries, most people will say Lewis Hamilton's name. You know, it's a bit like, you know, we go back into football terms, you know, Real Madrid, Messi, Man United, Messi, Ronaldo, Ronaldo yeah. Messi. You know, the biggest of the big. Lewis Hamilton is very much that figurehead in Formula One. Very much the same with Valentino Rossi and MotoGP, mm, mm. you know. So in terms of that, a, a lot of people um, would have would have tuned into it. And, you know, that's why I think there's a lot more outrage. Not because, say, Lewis Hamilton got robbed, as a lot of people were saying, or, you know, it, it wasn't fair. I think people tuned in for the for the drivers the two drivers that went into the battle and it was the fact that it, it they just didn't get the race that they wanted the race that we wanted was fully out on track didn't matter if max was 10 seconds behind two seconds behind or whatever it, the fact is it, it very much got influenced a lot of people felt cheated by the race, not just if you're a Mercedes or Red Bull fan, but because Mercedes genuinely had the outright pace over the Red Bull. When I take the example back to earlier what I was talking about, Max Verstappen bolted on some new hard tyres and Hamilton stayed out on his old ones, but Hamilton still was pulling a gap, even though Verstappen technically had these brand spanking new uh, tyres and rubber underneath him to be faster than him but he wasn't and then for that to change and be completely turned on its head and then for the situation to you know occur where it's basically a free pit stop for Red Bull there's nothing to lose and a lot, as, as you've said Chris you know they've done nothing wrong there they're playing the strategy that the FIA have given to them um, you know the people just feel very very cheated and hard done by um, we should say as well after the race of course that F1 teams if there's any decision or um, penalties that have affected their race during the Grand Prix, any Grand Prix in the whole year, they have the right to appeal. So Mercedes, of course, in a very, you know, in in a bitter sense, but they kind of would have been silly if they didn't try and do this. They appealed the result and, and looked at a couple of the regulations, the articles and regulations. And the main one that stood out, Chris, was it was obviously that the FI hadn't followed their own protocols it was thrown out at the race by the stewards that were there the stewards in race control who have overriding authority about the conduct and the sort of the way a race is, is conducted and uh, and carried out 
that one was obviously thrown out because we didn't think that was going to get through and Mercedes was going to have any case. We'd had all the podium celebrations by this point as well. Red Bull being crowned uh, and Max Verstappen being crowned the world champion. Then Mercedes announced their intention to then accelerate that appeal or you know move it up further to the next stage. And there are three stages. So the second stage was away from the track, uh, the FIA's own court of appeal. They put this intention into appeal and if then that had you know, not worked and they wanted to carry on. It would have gone to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, which has been used a very couple of times. Very rarely, thank goodness, because things like this don't happen every time. Of course, this is 2021 and things like this do happen in 2021. But it didn't get that far. They didn't intend to appeal uh, with the FIA. Funny enough, against one of the FIA's own doings. So they probably thought they weren't going to get anywhere. Is that how you saw it, Chris? Or do you think well, they should have carried on and pushed on with their appeal the, re- the reason why mercedes didn't is because the fia have admitted that it was their issue it was their bad and they're going to look into why that happened and you know what they can do to make sure that never happens again and mercedes red bull i think mercedes in particular are going to be part of uh, you know they're going to assist in making sure that something like this never happens in Formula One or any any FIA um, sport again. Because we don't want to hear this controversy. You know, the last thing we want to do is talk about the negatives after what has been such a great season, you know. But unfortunately, it is very much, you know, the cherry on top of the, the cake. We've had a great season and now you just get a bit of a sour cherry there. And mm. um, Yeah, not a nice one. Not a nice glacier one you get on your no. ice bun. So... Um, yeah, that's that's the reason why they they didn't do it, and you know a lot of people are saying oh they're such poor losers, but I mean I'll, I'll put this out to you I'll be I'll be devil's advocate Jake, if that had happened the other way around, would Red Bull have appealed? Oh of course yeah, it's it's a world championship on the line isn't it? It's the it's the stakes isn't it that that's made this ever more so intense and heightened by the decisions that were made. If this was just one single Grand Prix uh, in the whole run of things, maybe say halfway through the season, we probably wouldn't be really talking about this too much. But because it had so much value to it, that's why it's meant so much. I think, you know, yes, of course, Red Bull would have done exactly the same thing. And, and I, you know, even if you're a Mercedes, I think even Mercedes fans can, can agree with that and vice versa. You know, um, and I think the thing as well, a lot of people haven't noticed is on the night of this all happened on Sunday night, both Toto Wolff and Lewis Hamilton congratulated Max. They didn't, you know, blank him or just didn't talk to him. They, they went and congratulated him. Of course they're going to be hurt. You know, they've just lost, you know, what was a nailed on victory. Providing Lewis someone didn't get a puncture and he didn't look like he was going to get yeah. one. Or lose it out the last turn. You know, yeah. It was very much his race to lose. You know, so, you know, it's, it's the same with, you know, you know, we, we'll talk about football again. But in the Euros, every fan that was cheering on England would have been gutted and heartbroken in the penalty shootout one because we're, we're useless at penalties but you know <laughs> that that is that's what they were feeling they literally they had nailed it for 57 laps for it to be undone in one lap throughout something that was completely out of their control but the difference is is that penalty shootout is the agreed format right it used to be gold and gold remember <laughs> all, all gold yeah all gold and gold it's, it's an agreed format everyone knows what they're signed on for
so look, we're, we're here now, Chris. We're here a week on, and um, the FI Pro, FIE prize given has happened. Verstappen has won his world title for a third time, you could argue, in five days. Um, in, in the, appeal, the first ever third time, one time world champion. Yeah, I mean, that just, I can't even compute that. <laughs> um, so 2021. Um, where, where do we go from here now? There will be a lot of, as we're saying, a lot of long term lasting damage but for Mercedes and the FIA and F1 generally as a sport, not for the people who work in F1 because the FIA and the F1 are separate entities. The F1 just happens to be a sport under the FIA. They all manage each other individually and thank God that they do and they're not all together. I mean, you've got to think of it like FIA is like a parent company and yeah, F1 yeah. is but, part of that. But my point is going forward, Chris, what what do we do? What needs to change? What needs to be addressed? Of course, we're going to have this so-called commission going forward and the investigation supported by Mercedes. But what actually needs to change? Because this season has let a lot of people think that it's been an interpretation of the rules rather than the rules being followed steadfast because people wanted to, in inverted commas, go racing. But is there a line that has to be drawn and what needs to change? I mean, there's something that Martin Brundle said. We've got a book yay thick. And there will always be something that you'd never think of that you'd need to have in there because you assume that it's been covered. That's that's what's happened in this scenario. We need to, well, not we, because, you know, we're not part of it, but <laughs> they, need to, um, <laughs> they need to look at it and go through it with a fine tooth comb and check and make sure that this, you know, situation never happens again. You know, the commission is going to be involved to, to do that. But we need to outline, you know, and go over things that, you know, the whole thing about hard racing. Do we want hard racing? Of course we do. But do we want it hard and fair? Yes. So are they going to go back and look at, you know, do they really need to tighten up to make sure that, you know, we get hard racing, but we don't have any fouls to go along with it? Potentially, you know, we, we, we could potentially having drivers just literally punting each other off the track but oh it's hard racing you can't give a penalty for that you know they they need to really have a look and, and i'd say tighten because you know max was saying you know this, this is all about penalties it's not so much about everyone getting a penalty but you want it to be fair and equal and if someone does something and then somebody else does it again but then they get penalized but the first person didn't that's when you're going to have issues and you know i feel like especially towards the end of the season that's almost a scenario where we were going. Would you ironically say that Verstappen is what F1 needed this year to force these changes? Because otherwise, if we hadn't had Verstappen in his form, we might not have been in this situation or we probably we probably wouldn't have been. Do you think that this is, this is needed and things have happened for a reason? I feel like everything happens for a reason. And that goes for, for everything. You know, if something wasn't meant to happen, it wouldn't have happened. So... You know, somewhere, you know, the racing gods look down at Nicholas Latifi and was like, you will spin at this point. We will have this, but in turn, it, you will thank us for later years. You know, that's potentially how it could could, could be. And hopefully it will. We don't want to ever have this, you know, end of season, you know, catastrophe again. You know, we want to be celebrated. We want to be like cheering. Oh, well done, Max. You've done a great season. You know, you're the worthy opponent. And, you know, Lewis was completely happy to be second and, completely you know not upset that his race got stolen or you know we've had to appeal three different times and we've had three champions in one whole week and we, we don't want none of that you know but I think thank god it's the last race of the season because Jesus Christ everybody needs uh <laughs> needs a break, break definitely um 
But not just, well, not just not just us, but you think of the people working yeah. in the teams, the drivers, the people putting on this show, the TV crews, exactly. the people and, on social media, everything. You know, we the, over over the winter break, you know, we've got two months until testing. There's less than 100 days. I think it was 100 days on the last day of the race until testing starts or until the first race of the season. It's, it's not far away at all. But over the winter, hopefully they'll look and, and change what they need to change. And then, you know, we'll have brand new cars. They've been testing them apart from the Haas team that haven't. I think it was Haas. Um, and, you know, we'll have brand new 18-inch tyres. We'll have a brand new car. And hopefully... Closer we'll have, racing. Hopefully we'll just have some fantastic racing that follows off from what's happened this season because the racing itself this year has been phenomenal. I mean, we've had two drivers storm away with it. And they have really been in a league of their own this year. But if you look up and down the field, we've had some great racing and we've had some shocks. We've had some surprises. We've had Esteban Ocon winning a Grand Prix. We've had, you know, Fernando Alonso getting a podium after seven years. The one thing, you know what, Jake? The one thing I'm going to miss next year? Kimi Raikkonen. I know. Oh, what a character to and lose. the fact he didn't even get to finish the race. It was so sad. Sort of just, I was wondering at one point whether he was going to get out of his car and just eat an ice cream or go to the the marina and just watch the race from the boat like he's done in past times at Monaco. But it didn't happen. He didn't give us that incredible footage from times gone by. Look in the next in the next episode in the new year, we will be doing a season review um, and taking a deeper look back at all the races. But I just want to finish on this final point of reflecting on you know where we've got to up to this point chris look if you think if you think back to when f1 had quite sort of monumental changes behind the scenes operationally the bernie eccleston era ended and liberty media came in and took over the sport there was more of a drive towards entertainment and the spectacle the value of that of course, that has been trying to be improved and improved and improved as we've gone on throughout the hybrid era and where we are at, where we are and where we've got to right now. Do you think that as a result of trying to make the show better for people on TV and F1 has attracted, you know, um, a large, large audience again and brought on so many new fans, particularly in this last race of the season before, of course, what, what happened? Is this a result of the entertainment value going too far does there need to be sort of a, a sort of a trade-off you know for some of the entertainment for for in order for the sport to go forward in the way that racing fans but also the casual viewer wants it to oh you know before the grand prix started uh sky slash channel four interviewed stefano domenicali and martin brundle put the question to him who's your money on lewis or max and his answer was, my money goes to Formula One. Formula One's the real winner here. Ironically, it's Formula One that's lost out massively. But that that for me shows that this is more of an entertainment rather than, you know, out and out racing sport. They, they, they're putting on a show. It's, it's a bit like WWE. Um, not in the sense of the races like predetermined before like, like, like yeah, WWE that's, is. That's, we're not suggesting but, that at all, no. But in terms of... <laughs> it's it's now more for entertainment like they're, they're trying to get more casual viewers in and you know in, in in this race i feel like it's more the the hardened you know the ones that watch week in week out fans that are the ones that are the most hurt 
with this Grand Prix. Because um, they understand it the most and they understand the rules and the ins and outs. Yeah. Well, look, 2021, Chris, has been incredible. And I think it's one of the most exciting races that I've ever watched. And the fact we decided to start this podcast for this season, I don't think we could have struck at a better time, if I'm honest. And it has been so incredible to to do this every week or, or, as, or as often as we could do it in between jobs and normal lives. And it's just, I would say, it's just been a pleasure to do it with you. It's been fun. It's been so great to talk about the sport that we love and what I would, I guess what would be, without tearing up too much, what would be your favourite moment of of this whole season for us on the podcast if you had to pick one? Oh, for me, um, would say going to Silverstone count? N- kind of. <laughs> I mean, that's your own personal game. That's um, <laughs> pretty cool having you there, though. It was. Um, um, I, I'd say getting to interview some incredible people, you know, Pastor Maldonado, Ben Edwards, Sarah, Ryan, Hannah, you know, and next year, hopefully we can talk to a whole list of people and hopefully some some of the, the people we've interviewed this year can come back uh, and give us a, another perspective for their seasons going ahead. That would be great. Um, but yeah, no, the, the fact we've had the opportunities to speak to these people has, has been incredible and that's probably been my favourite moment. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. But I think as well, it's just been quite quite exciting to follow things I guess more closely we are fans of the sport but we don't realize like how how quickly can things can change especially when you're doing a podcast like this we can keep much more on top of it but just because of what we're doing but but secondly we get to follow it so closely and get so invested in it and I think this season has been one of the best to become so invested in a sport that we've loved for so many years Chris and uh, I, I'm sure as, as excited as you are to do another season of it uh, next year in 2022 with the new cars now look going forward me and Chris have had a chat about where we want the podcast to go and what we want it to offer you guys listening because without you guys obviously this wouldn't be this wouldn't be possible we wouldn't be doing this or we probably would but uh, it it does mean a lot for people who do listen into these episodes each week and want to hear what we have to say about what's gone on and uh, hearing the guests and interviews and we've you know we've put the time into and and uh, invested our passions into so next year I will say, Chris, it's been very difficult to try and keep up with doing an, a, a race episode every single race. So oh, I think, 100%. It's yeah. like, you know, obviously we, we work, obviously for me, I, I, I struggle to even watch the races these days because <laughs> yeah. I'm working most Sundays. Um, but yeah, just trying to find the time. Obviously, when we first started, we still had quite a lot of COVID regulations. So we, we weren't had doing anything. More time. So yeah. we had more time to, you, you know, talk and, you know, find the time to record. Whereas, you know, we're, we're very limited to what day we can do to which you know my days off and your days off so i think that that was a big contributing factor as to uh where we where we're looking to aim anyway yeah so for next season we're pretty much what we'd like to do if you're okay with it after doing this incredibly intense season uh, of formula one we would like to do race recaps and do an episode maybe after every three races or so like a, a block of races so you know we get three races in a row we have a week's break and we go off to a different continent say asia or europe or something like that and in these episodes we are going to want to get on more guests because what you've seemed to have enjoyed us doing here on the podcast is 
talking to people involved with the sport about their their sort of opinions on Formula One, their journeys, their experiences. And then in that way, we can round up the races as well and look back on things. It's just incredibly hard to keep up and follow. So that is what we're going to be doing for next season. And I really hope you can join us in 2022. And Chris, look, we are f- we are a few days away from Christmas. So I guess Merry Christmas to everyone and you. Yes. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas. Sorry, I had oh, to say that. Dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I've heard it all before, Jake. I've heard it all before. <laughs> But yeah, obviously, wherever you are in the world, have a great holiday season because not obviously everyone's going to be celebrating Christmas, but have a great holiday season. Enjoy the festivities of what New Year's brings as well. And we very much look forward to hearing back from you uh, in 2022 for what will hopefully be a fantastic season of Formula One yet again. Yep, we'll be having special episodes looking ahead at the 2022 season, all the new regulation changes, how the grid is looking, and we'll have our next episode in 2022 looking back on quite a special 2021 season and rounding up what we've lived through this past 12 months and talking to it all with a special guest going through it. So it's been me, Jake Peach here. And me, Chris Moss. Take care and we'll see you next year.